Um, MJ and my husband Apoc and I are planting a church in Anaheim Hills, California called Zion Church. Our mission at Zion is to create spaces for God to dwell and for hearts to be transformed by the love of Jesus. So whether you're here for the first time or you're joining us again, we want to thank you for tuning in. If you're looking for a church community or are wanting to partner with the mission of Zion, there are two ways you can do so. The first one is joining the launch team. As we continue to connect and serve our community both in person and online, we are needing your help. You can join the team by going to zionchurch.live launch. Second, you can become a financial supporter. We understand that we cannot do this alone. As a church, we believe that we don't just meet to meet, we meet to meet the needs. And in order to effectively meet those needs, it requires the generosity of people like you and me. You can go to zionchurch.live give to become a financial supporter. On behalf of our entire Zion family, we want to say thank you. Hi guys, I am Naisha and I am a member of Zion Church. I really wanted to come on here and share with you guys what Black History Month means to me. Now, growing up, I didn't have the greatest perspective because I feel like a lot of it was someone outside of my culture teaching me about my culture. Now that I have had the opportunity to learn on my own and really grow, I feel like this month, now my perspective is empowerment and acknowledgement. It reminds me and kind of shines a light on the beauty and uniqueness that the culture really brings into this beautiful melting pot that God has created in the world. And I want to share with you a scripture. It's Romans 12, 4 through 5, and it reads, for just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. And this scripture really brings in the idea that we all have unique qualities, whether it be from our culture, how we think emotionally, how we interact, just all the parts that kind of create us it makes this whole big picture of something beautiful that God has created. It really shines in on, you know, embracing our uniqueness and embracing who we truly are. So I really encourage you today to really embrace who you are, really embrace what your culture is, and don't be afraid to kind of also learn about someone else's culture and embrace who they are and what they can also bring into the table. I love you guys and I appreciate just having the chance to really share this with you. Thank you so much. Bye. Hi Zion family, this is Pastor Apoc and we are about to hear an incredible message from Stephen and Destiny Hale. But before we do, I wanted to take a moment as your pastor to address what is happening around our world right now, in particular in Ukraine and Russia. I want to let you know that MJ and I, our hearts are hurting and grieving with what is happening right now over there. And as I began to, to pray and meditate on everything that is happening around the world right now, the Lord brought me to Romans chapter 5, verse 20 and verse 21. And I want to read that to you guys. And then I want to challenge 
every listener today to join with me in prayer, to pray for everyone in Ukraine and in Russia and around the world for the peace of God to cover them. So let me read this for you and then let us pray. It says, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. As I read this verse, I am reminded that sin exists, evil exists, and as we begin to see evil more and more evident around our world, which we are seeing it right now, I want to remind every listener, every believer of Jesus, that when these moments happen, that grace, the power of God, abounds even more. It's a reminder that no matter how dark it gets, the light of Jesus is stronger. And it tells us that so that as sin reigns in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I believe that as evil begins to reign right now, we begin to see it more. I am declaring that the righteousness of God will begin to reign more and more. And it's going to lead to eternal life. We are going to hear testimonies of the power of the gospel moving across our world during this season. So church, can we pray today? Can we pray in the mighty name of Jesus that uh, sin has no power over the grace of Jesus? Father, we come to you today and um, we are hurting. We are grieving. Our hearts hurt with what is happening in Ukraine and in Russia. The stories, the videos that we are watching, it, it fills us with, with so much grief. And God, we begin to pray for the people over there. Uh, many people that are feeling alone and fearful, God, we pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus that your peace would cover them. God, we pray that as sin and evil abounds, we are declaring in the name of Jesus that grace and righteousness will abound the more. We are declaring that this will be a season that the life, the eternal life of Jesus Christ will begin to reign. We will begin to see testimonies of the gospel being extended because of this, Lord. So, God, we speak against evil right now in the name of Jesus. We speak against the works of darkness, and we declare that your hand will begin to move. We will see righteousness and justice happen in Jesus' name. We will begin to see your glory revealed. God, we pray for the people that are suffering right now. We pray for comfort and safety in Jesus' name, God. We pray that as the body of Christ, we will begin to cover them with prayers, but also we will begin to cover them with resources, Lord. Help us as a church to know how to serve the people in Ukraine and in Russia. Lord, we, we speak against all works of, of darkness. It shall not prosper in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, church. Can we give God praise? We are believing the best is yet to come. Now, let's get ready to hear an incredible message today. God bless y'all. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Zion Church. We are um, happy to be with you today, live streaming, wherever you're at, wherever you're watching from. My name is Stephen Hale. This is my wife, Destiny, 
And uh, we're here today to talk about communication in our marriages and our relationships. Uh, you know, this is uh, February, the month of love, where everybody's you know talking about their Valentines and um, how much they love each other and sharing the love. And so that's always a good thing. But um, we as Christians, we've got some good tips and some good um, uh, recommendations for how we can proceed with effective communication in all our relationships. And so we want to get into that with you today. We're, uh, we're glad that you joined us. But before we start, let's open with a quick word of prayer and then we'll get started. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for our friends and family that are tuning in from all over um, California and all over the country. Lord, we just want to say that we're so grateful to have church and experience it in new ways and experience you in new ways. Lord, as we learn about communication today, we ask that you would be Lord over this conversation, Lord over this time. Let our words be your words, Lord, and, and let everything that we say, Lord, uh, impact somebody in a new way and it be something that they can take into their marriages for helpful and effective communication in the future. We love you, God. We call you holy. and We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So communication, all right? So communication, uh, good communication is said to be a lifeline to the health of a good marriage. One of the first steps that we can take to fix any relationship that's in trouble is to take an honest assessment of your communication efforts. If you've ever tried to navigate a disagreement with someone you love or care about, then you're well aware that there are good ways and harmful ways that you can communicate with each other. The way you proceed can have a direct impact on the rise or fall of your relationship. Good communication is the key to any relationship. It ensures that both you and your spouse feel respected, validated, and understood. Communication is the key to avoiding straight and straightening out any misunderstandings and to work through problems for a happier future together. For those in Christian marriages, our faith can be an extra source of support and through life's ups and downs. It can strengthen your heart and improve the way you communicate with your spouse. The Bible is a source of inspiration, strength, and encouragement for families everywhere. It's a powerful source of advice that can heal, change, and shape your relationships. The factor that distinguishes a Christian marriage from others is that it's not just based on love and a connection. A Christian marriage has a covenant. It's a commitment that should not be set up, severed. Whether you're married now, dating, engaged, or you just hope to be one day in the future, this covenant is what makes your marriage different in the sight of God and man. Christian couples don't walk out on their marriage, at least not too easily, because they work on solving their issues by taking some Christian relationship advice rather than in abandoning their relationship. What makes Christians different is that our relationships are committed to our partner and to God. So we have an extra layer of responsibility for working out our differences. And one way to do that is with good communication. In Christian marriage and relationships, there are certain codes that need to be followed in communication. Themes, if you will. And sticking to these practices can help you both in your romantic and in your plutonic relationships as well. Communication exchanges should be filled with kindness, heartfelt emotions, and it needs to be civil. If you start speaking to your partner with kindness, you create a space for your partner to eventually reciprocate the same behavior and foster good communication. Here's four steps we can all take to have better communication in our relationships. And again, these steps are useful whether you're dating, engaged, married, or even with your friends and your family. Step one, pray together. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 tells us to pray continually. Faith is at the heart of Christian lives. And that place is at the heart of Christian marriages, too. 
Prayer aligns us with God and reminds us of his love, care, compassion, and faithfulness to us and ours to him. The still small voice inside will prompt you in how to communicate with your partner in a healthy way. It's cliche, but it is true. The family that prays together stays together. Prayer means taking your problems before God and letting him know what's truly in your heart. If you have concerns about communication in a Christian marriage, give them to God in prayer and let him know your worries. After all, he already knows your heart. Pray by yourself first and get comfortable making these requests individually. But then bring your partner into the prayer habit. Let them hear you pray and see how and what you ask God. It's a vulnerable experience when we pray because we're literally asking for help. The experience of prayer between partners signals to both parties, we don't have the answer, but we both intend to find it, and working together increases our chances of doing so. Praying together is a beautiful way to strengthen your marriage. Be together in prayer and ask God for the strength and insight for good communication in your Christian marriage. Number two, treat each other as you wish to be treated. In Matthew seven twelve, it tells us, Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. This is a powerful principle to apply in any relationship. Think about it. How do you respond to nagging, shouting, or being spoken to in an unkind way? Most people don't respond with happiness or calmness to an angry, hurtful communication. And that includes you and your partner, friend, or family member. Learn to treat one another as you would like to be treated yourself. If you want your partner to listen, when you talk, help you with tasks, or show more affection or kindness towards you, start by doing those things for them. It starts with you. Mm -hmm. If you want your friend to value your time, start by valuing theirs. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Simply put, you don't like it when people talk to you intensely or by, by yelling. So in that same process, you shouldn't talk to your partner that way. Let your words be kind and use them to turn away anger. When you treat each other well, you open the door for honest, loving communication in relationships that nourish both parties. Yep. Step three, practice forgiveness. Practice makes perfect in all things, so you might have to work extra hard at this one and put some time in to master it. Forgiveness takes work, especially when you know you have been wronged. You're still hurt and you feel like you need some time to heal. And that's fair to feel that way, but again, what makes Christian relationships different is that we forgive. The sooner we can forgive, the sooner we can move forward again. Ephesians 4.32 tells us, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. Forgiveness is an act of kindness. It's hard to communicate well when one or both of you are angry, resentful, or when one of you fosters hurtful sentiments from the past. You approach with an intent to hurt, lash out, or express your anger and frustration. And in doing so, you might miss the heart of what your partner is trying to say to you. If left unchecked, anger will grow and make communication harder. When you hold anger and are unforgiving towards your partner in your heart, it makes it difficult to see the current situation clearly and certainly doesn't foster an atmosphere of kindness, but rather one of justice. You did me wrong and now there's consequences. Not to say we should be doormats to be walked on, but we should look for avenues to explore kindness in an effort to reach forgiveness. So if you haven't reached forgiveness yet, try starting with kindness and work your way to forgiveness. It takes effort, sure, 
But like the verse says, Christ forgave us when we didn't deserve it. And if we're trying to be more like Christ in our relationships, shouldn't we try and do the same? Romans 14, 19 says, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. The past is the past. The healthiest thing for your marriage is to let it stay there. Of course, it's important to deal with issues as they arise and to resolve them in a way that you're both able to live with. However, once an issue has been dealt with, let it go. Don't drag it up in future arguments. Timon and Pumbaa gave us great advice, even though it might not be found in the King James Version. Hakuna Matata. Put the past behind you. Don't hold on to resentment. It colors your interactions with your spouse and stops you from seeing what is good and worth valuing in your marriage. Resentment replaces kindness. Your spouse is only human, and it means that sometimes they're going to make mistakes, just like you. Learn to practice forgiveness as shown by Christ, so you can approach one another with open, trusting hearts. Leave the mistakes in the past, practice forgiveness in the present, and keep the door of communication open for the future. Number four, take time to listen. James 1, 19-20 tells us that everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. How many times have you waited impatiently for your partner to finish speaking so that you can make your own point? Don't feel bad if you have. It's natural, and it's so easy to do. If, however, you can learn to listen without judgment or waiting to jump in, communication can improve dr dramatically. You'll learn so much about your partner, their hopes, their fears, their feelings. Feeling heard is a validating experience. By providing that gift to your partner, you're bringing the two of you together. Colossians 4.6 says, Let your conversations always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Sometimes your partner will say things that are hard to bear. Instead of rushing in with an angry response, take some time to think before you speak. Look for the heart of the words. Are they angry or afraid? Are they frustrated? Look for what you can do to support them with that, rather than going on the defensive. Taking time to listen is important for good communication in any relationship. Your mutual faith gives you and your spouse a common ground. It's a foundation of grace and mercy from which you can build a marriage that nourishes you both, brings you closer to each other, and more importantly to God as well. But this thing only works if both you and your spouse are committed to putting Christ first, even above your need to argue and debate. You both have to be willing to forgive, willing to be kind, willing to offer grace, and willing to listen. And of course, be willing to pray. Let Christ be at the center of your marriage and relationship and watch your communication begin to thrive in all you do. We hope you enjoyed that today. We are appreciative of your time and we want to pray for you before we leave. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for your, your gift of love and your gift of communication to us. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to use those tools in our relationships and in our marriages so that we can be effective partners and effective communicators for our marriage. We ask that you would bless everyone who tuned into this, bless their time, and bless their communication and all their relationships. We love you, we love you, and we call you holy, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.